Sunday, September the 10th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Three stories. I was in sports day in year 10. It was my final sports day and I wanted to make a point. My whole form didn't want to do the 100 meter race. I volunteered myself. And I, as we get up to sports day, it's 100 meter race. Me and my friends and my people in my year were walking to the start line. And this one cocky guy said, this guy's going to win. This guy's going to come second. I'll go third, and then turn to me. I went, you might come sick for something, I reckon. And I thought, I'm going to beat you no matter what. If I die at the end, that is okay. So the mark gets set, go. And I'm like Usain Bolt, and I sprint. This guy slips up on go, falls over, and I beat him. And I came third. Thank you. Yeah. That's the sermon. Amen. Does the worship man come up? The point was, he wasn't ready for the race. Um, a couple of years ago, more than that, 10 years ago, Dad run the London Marathon. Dad did that. Woo, amazing. We had today, we had a meal out in the evening. After the meal out, we were walking to the tube and we see this poor man with a London Marathon, like, n- number on him. And he's d- still doing the race 10 hours in. He's limping. He has two holders for cups on his waist, both of diets, cans of Coke. And he goes, do you know where's next? I'm trying to get to the finish line. Him knowing we've got 10 miles left. So we send him on his way. He wasn't ready. Last year, I was at Spring Harvest. I was asked to lead the youth very late. I knew nothing what I was doing. I had 300 young people under me, and I got there on the first day, and I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the team meeting of the other youth group and see what they say, and I'll copy it so I look important and know what I'm doing. I go to this team meeting. The person in charge has a massive folder and opens it and starts talking about fire safety and precautions and all this stuff. Lydia goes next to me, have you got a folder? I go, I've not even got a pen. I wasn't ready. Has your life ever fallen apart? Just me, thank you guys. You're all lying. Well, today we're finding ourselves in the story of David. David, his story is massive. It's in the Old Testament. It's a lot of fun. But we're jumping into the middle of the story. So to bring you up to speed. David had a load of children. David, if you recognize the name, he's the guy that chucked that stone at Goliath. He's also the guy that was the king of Israel. He, um, he had loads of children and his children were bickering. Unlike today, if your children bicker, they might take each other toys. Those children murdered and raped each other. It wasn't a good space to be. And one of their children was called Absalom. And he started a rebellion. So Absalom came back to Israel. He came back to Jerusalem and he started to pretend that he was king. 
He hired 50 men to run before him. In that time, if you were rich, if you were bougie, you would have people who'd run ahead of you and shout that your name was coming. So people would move from the path. He hired people to tell people he was coming. He went on a chariot where only kings would go on and he was pretending he was king. So each day his men would run and then he would glide along in his chariot and they'd get to the city gates. Now, the city gates was where it was at for Israel. Everyone in Israel, the society was driven by farmers, by agriculture. But because it was a scary time and people liked to invade each other, everyone slept inside the city walls. So the gates were the biggest and most important place in the city. Because every morning and every evening, society would leave the gates and would come back in. So it became the center point. The gates of Jerusalem became the courthouse. And where the courthouse was, was where the king and his people were to give rule over conflict. And Absalom would be there, and he would just chirp in and pretend it wasn't all going well. So he would sit there, and people would come with the challenges, and he would go, Look, your case is good and right, but there's no king here to help you. He'd be feeding these ideas to all the farmers going, oh, if I were a judge in the land and everyone had any suit or cause, they could come to me. I would give him justice. He started feeding over these years all this conflict and going, hey, I could be king. And after four years of this, his next stage of his plan happened. He went to David and he said, David, my dad, king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. This was a lie. So then Absalom sent spies throughout the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. David finally caught wind of this. His connections were growing and growing. Suddenly, David finds out that his son is causing a rebellion. His son is trying to get him going. His son is trying to take his spot. And David is petrified. So David takes his household, he takes his people, he takes everyone, and he flees Jerusalem. He leaves it. And with him, he takes the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant in Old Testament is a massive symbolic thing. It is the presence of Yahweh. It was seen as a protection and a provider. When you were with the Ark of the Covenant, you were under your God's protection and provision. And when David fled, instead of keeping the Ark of the Covenant close by, instead of taking it with him, David does this. Then the king said to Zodak, take the covenant box back to the city. If the Lord is pleased with me, someday he'll let me come back and see it. And the place where it stays. But if he isn't pleased with me, well let him do with me what he wishes. This blew me away when I read this the other month. David was big boy. He was the king of Jerusalem. He had everything about him. Yet he humbled himself and said, God, I'm not going to try and force your hand. God, I'm going to try and do something. Your will, so be it. If it is good, if it is bad, if it is pleasing, if it's not, I am submitting myself to you. 
It was a prayer of submission. And if I'm honest, my prayers aren't usually like that. I go and ask my prayers. I'm like, God, this is my plan. Can you just co-sign it? Like it's, like it's a parental form for school. Can you just sign your name? I know you've not read the letter, but just sign the name and we'll get on our merry way. That's how my prayers are. I remember this one time, there was a shoe that I loved. And I was in Cardiff. And I remember praying to God, tomorrow, God, I'm going to go to a charity shop. And those shoes are going to be there. Amen? And I went to the charity shop and they weren't there. I was praying with what I wanted my plan was. David didn't do this. David went, Lord, if it pleases you, I will see this again. Not, Lord, I've read my Bible every day. I've gone to church four times a week. I serve. Now can you give me this? It was, Lord, if it pleases you, let me see it again. But if it doesn't, if it's not part of your plan, if it's not right, then so be it. I trust your judgment. I trust who you are. And I'm trusting your holy way. David submitted himself to God in a total, total vulnerable way. And not in a way of trying to force his hand. I wonder this. I, I wonder when I pray to God and I ask for some shoes in the charity shop. Oh, I tell him this is my plan for the next year. I wonder if he just laughs and goes, I'm good, I know the whole life and that's not your plan, but I've got a better plan. I've got something way better for you. I moved into year seven, the same year Sarah started as a youth worker. Um, I'd, I'd like to say I wasn't the easiest young person, but clearly I impacted her life so much she called her child after me. And I remember this one one time, um, we were coming out of the youth halls upstairs and I, me and Alid see a bodyboard. And as two young 13-year-olds, we know exactly what we're going to do. We get on the bodyboard and we slide down the stairs. Halfway down, I hear crack. And me being the loyal, brave friend I am, I ran and hid whilst Aidy's footsteps were coming around the corner. And Alice got the total blame and I was fine. And I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to Josh Jews for your bodyboard. It came back broken. Are we ready for what, our, what God's planned for our life? I wasn't ready to face the consequences. But are we ready? And as a community, I think there's three areas we need to understand and ask ourselves if we're ready for. First one, first area is us. Personally, are we ready, like David was, for what God has planned in our life? Or are we still clinging on to control? Abraham, he's in the Old Testament. He was, he got a gift. He's, God told him that he was going to have a child. He was very old. It wasn't going to happen. So he took it into his own hands and slept with someone else. So there was a child. Jonah, God told him to send him to, send him over there. And Jonah went, no, I'm scared. And he ran away. Sometimes I can be like Abraham and Jonah. I hear what God wants me to do. I see that plan, but I go, no, I'm going to cling on to my control. I'm going to cling on to what I've got. I'm going to cling on to what I want. But I want to learn to practice what David learned. The humility of going, God, 
for good or for bad. I am ready for what you have planned. It's going, good, I don't want to force your hand. God, I don't want to give you my plan for you to co-sign. I want you to go, God, I want to give it to you. So today, what do you need to give up? What do you need to let go? Are you someone who goes, I actually give God my finances, I give him my home, I give him my marriage, but he can't have my children. That's my plan. I might give him this, I might give him that, but he can't have my finances. Are we trying to hold on to a bit of ourselves? What are we trying, what do we need to do to be more humbly ready going, God, I give it you. I give you everything. What do you want? For me, I need to give time to God to even answer. Because I will sometimes be like, oh yeah, God will say yes, and let's just go. Or I'll go, oh, God will say no, so I don't do it. Or there's times where I can assume that what I want to know is too insignificant for God that I don't give him the opportunity to answer. What do you need to do to be more ready for God? David humbly went, success or failure, God, you know best. What aren't we giving up? And what do we need to let go? David humbly accepted whatever God wanted. There's a freedom in that. A freedom of going, I can't plan this. I can't do this. Either God, you need to show me or we're just going to sit here. Because I can't do it. But David was fleeing. This is area number two and three. David was fleeing from Jerusalem. And he who had the Ark of the Covenant, the provision, the protector, and he went, yeah, and I'll send it away. I'll, I'll take whatever God wants. But he wasn't saying that just for himself. You see, David took his whole family. David left accompanied by his family and officials. David didn't go alone. And when he sent the tabernacle away, he wasn't just saying for the consequences for himself, but it was the consequences for his family. It wasn't an individual, I'm ready, but it was a community of God, I'm ready for what you have planned. And as a Burlington community, what are we, are we ready for whatever God has planned? And there's two big things. And first of God and as church, are we ready for what God has planned for our youth at Burlington? We are heading into a new season, Sarah stepping down, Dan and Lydia moving on. The youth here will look differently. It will change and there's a moment for us to dream and vision of what's the next season. But I am so conscious that I don't want my visions, my wanting to do stuff, to get in the way of what God has planned for our youth. I'm so conscious I don't want us to keep going with the status quo of what we have done that we don't give any time to hear what God wants us to do. I don't want us to be filling the youth calendar and not first going, God, what do you want? We are ready for good or for bad. There's these 32 people in the New Testament called Mary and Martha. And Jesus was coming around. And Martha worked really hard to welcome Jesus to her home. Her sister Mary simply sat at his feet and listened. I don't want to be so busy that we don't sit at God's feet and go, what do you want for our youth now? What do you want in this next season? 
what do you want us to do? I don't want to get caught up in so much stuff, stuff to then go, I've simply not sat and listened. It's bold of us to assume we know what's best for our young people. We don't. God does. We need to sit and listen. And some of you today will have heard that and you would have instinctively switched off because you're like, I'm not a youth leader. I'm not a parent to a young person or youth age. I don't volunteer. But I have come to this church my whole life. I've known a lot of people in this room my whole life. And I've had conversations and interactions with people who have never once volunteered in the halls that have changed my life. It is a whole responsibility for us to look after these young people. So just because you don't volunteer, just because you're not a parent, doesn't mean you are tapped out of this. It is a community, it takes a tribe, and we have to come humbly and go, God, what do you want? It is a community that takes this. It's not individuals. We need to know, God, what do you want for our lives? God, what do you want for our young people? What are you saying? We are ready. We don't come with our baggage. We don't come with what we want. We don't come with our plans. We go, God, simply right at your feet. What do you want? And the second thing, I think us as a community need to start being ready for what God has planned is the community hub. We are at the clasp of something super exciting in this community. To get this building changed in the halls, what could be a center point and could be an outreach and could be an incredible place for God. It could be the hub of the community. But the building itself is worthless if we try doing it our own way. To get to the place we want to be, we've got to raise money, we've got loads of hoops to jump through, we've got people to meet, we've got to get people on our side, we've got building work, planning permission, all of this stuff. We've got a mountain too far to climb for us individually as humans to do. For us to get where we think God has called us to be, for us to get where God, we feel God has taken us, we need to be ready for what God has planned. There's only one way of this working. And that's the way that God's calling us. And that, once again, is a family affair. If a family moves house, it's not two people who move, everyone moves. If we're getting the community hub sorted, it's a family affair. Why are all in this or it's not going to work? Why are all in this or it's not going to happen? So are you ready for what God has planned in this church for the next season? We can come here each Sunday, sing our songs and go home and that's fun. But actually, I want us to be ready for what God wants. God, for good or for bad, we're ready. For good or for bad, we submit to your will. We might have an idea or we might have a plan, but we submit to your will. And for that, I think we need to start praying. We need to start praying for the community hub. We need to start praying for this church. We need to start praying for this community and going, God, where do you want us to take us? Where do you want us to go? For some of us, we need to step into this. Go, actually, I have tools. I have things that can help. So I'm going to go in. As a family, we are on the cusp of something super exciting. 
I believe there's a new vision for this church, for the community hub. I believe there's a new vision for the youth group. And we can either go, oh, let's just do what we've done before. Or we can go, God, let's submit to you. What have you got planned? As the band come up, um, I've got a few questions for us. What I'd love us in this response just to start thinking about. How can you be more ready in your individual walk with God? How can you be more ready as Burlington Youth changes? And how can you be more ready as you move into this season with the community hub? If we think we know best, if we think we know what God wants, then we can so easily get it wrong. We need to humbly submit ourselves. David was king of Israel. He had armies, he had money, he had palaces. Yet he knew even him couldn't succeed what God wants in his life without God. We need to humbly come and go, God, what do you want? I hand myself to you. It's the most freeing and beautiful thing. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. I'd love for you guys to have a look at these questions and start answering them yourselves. Lord, thank you that we can submit ourselves to you. And actually through submitting ourselves to you, we hand our lives to the one person that has it safe. We hand our lives to the one person who has the good plan. Help us let go and release of the things that are holding us back. And help us as a community as we move into what you have planned.